Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. It is January 17th. We're going to talk about patience wearing thin for the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll also recap the Bucks win over the Indiana Pacers. A very impressive second half with Golden Gags. We will also talk about the Packer fallout from Bucks Cowboys. Yes, somehow a playoff game has Packer fallout where the Packers were not involved. Trust me, it will make sense. Lastly, we will head into Chuck's Corner and we will talk about a Mexico recap. Uh, I was there for the last week, hence why there were no podcasts last week. If you missed Monday's show, I, I taped it a little later than I would have wanted to. So make sure you go back and listen to that. Make sure that you are rating and reviewing. We really appreciate that. We haven't got a rating in a while um, on Apple. So if you could take the time, I'd really appreciate that. Um, also, uh, we're on Spotify too, uh, in case you're not on Apple. And if you're already subscribed, make sure to share with your friends. Make sure you're telling us what clips you like. What do you, what do you want to hear? What do you, what are some different things? We're all ears. And where you can talk to us on that is on social media. Tapping the keg on Twitter. DMs are always open. Tapping the keg sports on Instagram. DMs are open there. Uh, we're also on TikTok. Tapping the keg sports. I think my TikTok DMs are open. I am not entirely sure on that. Uh, but if they aren't for some reason and you did want to reach me, make sure you leave me a comment on a latest TikTok and I will make sure to reopen those DMs. If you have any sort of content ideas, any sort of thoughts, any sort of feedback, it could be good, it could be bad, it could be a little bit in between. I want to hear it all from you because I want to cater to you and all of the Wisconsin sports fans out there. We'll have another podcast tomorrow. Then Mitch and I will tape episode 493 of the Tapping the Keg podcast. And then we'll have Friday off. So that will be this week's schedule. Uh, I did run over that Monday. We'll probably keep running over since we aren't going five days anymore. I think it's really important to keep you guys informed so you're not preparing for a podcast from me. And you can move on to the other podcasts you probably listen throughout the day. Let's waste no more time. Let's get into why the Bucks are wearing on my patience. Yesterday, when the injury report came out for the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo was reported as probable. Drew Holiday also reported as probable. Bobby Portis reported as probable. So it's like, great. Everybody's going to play. It's going to be big home crowd, matinee game, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, more and more people have the day off, which I think it's very important to honor Dr. King and to uh, all the different community events that went on in the city of Milwaukee. They honored the first black OBGYN at the game. He's 98 years old. He was at the game, which I thought was incredible. He looks great for 98. Uh, really cool stuff, in my opinion. So this is a game that matters in the community, right? This is a game that the Bucks should have their full roster or as close to their full roster as possible. Giannis misses the game with a knee injury again. So this is now the third straight game that Giannis has missed. This is now five straight days that Giannis has not played in a basketball game. The last time he played was against Atlanta on Wednesday. We are assuming as Bucks fans and on Bucks Twitter that Giannis will not play tonight against the Toronto Raptors, a TNT, a primetime game where most people will be watching the Bucks because it is a very small NBA slate. And those people that are trying to chase the high of all the sports with the NFL wildcard weekend with a ton of college basketball, they have the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Well, Giannis is probably not going to be in that starting lineup yet again tomorrow. Well, who knows about Joe Ingles? We'll see if anyone else misses time. Bobby Portis came down on his knee. He was fine. But who knows? Maybe Bobby misses tomorrow, tomorrow tonight's game. It is, a, it is basically a wheel of who is going to be out today. No one knows. It's like a Price is Right game. We have to guess which guys are actually going to be on the court instead of you know, getting a full roster and getting to watch the Bucs night in and night out the way that God intended it. Some people are calling the Bucs the East Coast Clippers, and I think that's fair. I think you have to ask that question, right? The Bucs are playing the same game as the Clippers, but the difference here is the fact that the Eastern Conference is stacked. We talked about this on yesterday's show, but it bears repeating. The New York Knicks are only two and a half games behind the Milwaukee Bucks, and they are at the sixth seed. The Milwaukee Bucks can't really fuck around here. And they, they kind of are. And they're kind of trying to find out. They're trying to see how far can we actually take this before there are significant consequences, before we have to flip the switch. And I'm kind of sick of it. And I think everybody else is. I don't think that I am on an island here talking about how the Bucks are basically pissing away yet another regular season and do not care about being the one seed at all. They are perfectly content not being the one seed. And I think that is a wrong way to go about it. And they did not learn anything from their series against Boston last season. And that frustrates you. It's sort of this arrogance that I do not think the Bucs should really be allowed to have. They lost in the second round. They did not lose in the championship. They did not win the championship last year. They lost in the second round. There should have been pr plenty of rest in the offseason. And if the Bucs are needing this much rest in the regular season, then real questions need to be asked about the Bucks training staff. Suki Hobson has got a ton of credit for helping out Giannis, for helping out Chris Middleton. I think she's done really good work with Joe Ingles. He's looked great. But the fact that the Bucs are continually playing the long game because it's going to work out in the playoffs is such an unknown and such a dangerous risk to run, especially when there are home games that you are missing where most of the community, the eyes are going to be on you. And I realized most of the guys played tonight. I realized it was just Ingles and the Anacumbo that missed this game. But there, there, something has to give. At some point, we need to say fuck the rest and get all of our guys together and start building a cohesive unit. This is not going to come together randomly in the playoffs. It's not the flip. The light is not going to switch on. I think I have the same concerns with the Warriors, but I don't give a fuck about them because I don't cheer for them night in, night out. At some point, you need to bring everybody together. And maybe Saturday is the start of that, but I'm not counting my chickens. Nothing this year has told me, oh yeah, the Bucs are going to stay healthy this entire year. I, I believe that as long as I could throw my podcast partner Mitch, which isn't very long. It just does not feel like a reality. It does not feel like something this year. And if the East Coast Clippers want to continue to do this shit, they're not really, they're Midwest Clippers, I guess would be the better way to call them, which I, might be a barbershop. But anyways, here, here and over there, I'm, <coughs> I'm more talking about the Eastern Conference um, than the East Coast. But yes, the Midwest Clippers here, like what what is there to believe in the Milwaukee Bucks that they're going to play a quote unquote full healthy roster the rest of the season? Because everything is telling you that the Bucks think that the regular season is a joke. And I just do not agree with that. I really, really don't. I really do not think that is a smart way to play. I think we learned that lesson last year. We said time and again on this podcast in the playoffs that the Bucs would have invested just a little bit more in the post in the regular season. 
They would have been the two seed. They would have got the home games. The Bucs think because they did it one time in a COVID year where there were not full arenas, mind you, the Bucs feel like they could do it again. They feel like they could be a three seed. They could be a four seed. And they could find their way to the Eastern Conference. I realize that Brooklyn does not have a great home court advantage. You know who does? Philadelphia. They are right there. They are right there. Cleveland could win the and could win the Central Division, and then the Bucs could find themselves at the four seed, right? That's a potential that happened. And oh, by the way, Cleveland, while not experienced, while this would be their first time and it'd be uncharted territory for the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have a great home court advantage. So yes, if you're playing Brooklyn in the first, second round, that is a home court advantage that is non-existent. It doesn't really, it's not really there. Uh, it just hasn't been. It is a funeral compared to what you see at Madison Square Garden in the other borough in New York City. But that said, that's the only team that really you can say that. You can't say that about the Celtics, of course. We've talked about it on this show. Like Celtics have a very good home court advantage. Maybe one of the best in the NBA. The And then as just mentioned, Cavaliers and, and Sixers. So those are the teams that you have to worry about. And the Bucs are playing with fire. And they, they have to, at some point, bring this all together. They have to, some at some point, just say, all right, we are going to play this out. Now, I know injuries could happen, right? The Bucs could look healthy, and they could, be, they could go on a four-game winning streak on, let's say, starting Saturday. And then Drew Holiday, you know, hurts his hand. He sprains his wrist or something like that. And he's now out for the rest until the All-Star break. That could legitimately happen. Chris Middleton could get hurt again, which if Chris Middleton gets hurt again, I will tell you that we have have to have another conversation about Chris Middleton because he got called wing Anthony Davis by Bill Simmons. And at this point, I think it's accurate and it, it gets louder and the conversation around Middleton gets louder and louder and the frustrations I think from the team set in more and more because you just ask yourself, does Chris Middleton really want to be out there? And he's saying the rehab's taking longer. It's taking longer. Well, what the fuck is, is the hang-up here? It's teetering on David Bakhtiari territory where it's like, is this in your head? Are you more worried about what's going to happen to your knee and the way that you twist and twerk your body and that this could end up you know, being something that you think is going to continue to happen to you? Or do you just need to suck it up and go play fucking basketball? Just like David Bakhtiari needed to suck it up and go play football. I've been on pretty good authority that it was a lot of it in the head. Is that the same with Chris Middleton? But yes, if Middleton goes down again, it's going to be a major issue. And the other part of this, that where I'm not panicking about him, and I was actually going to do a topic on Giannis if uh, the Bucks, if he had actually played. But there's some that believe that Giannis is having a very bad season. Uh, I think Brian Sampson's his name, a Bucks film room he goes on by Twitter, but was kind of pushing a panic button, and he's been known to do that, kind of his personality, saying like, look, all the numbers say Giannis is having a bad season. I would vehemently disagree with Brian on that. I think Giannis's touch has been off. I think he really hasn't figured out how to shoot outside of the arc this year for some reason, and the numbers do back that up. But I do think a lot of that is related to the fact that he has one of the highest usages in the NBA because he's asked to do everything. He is putting the team on his back night in, night out. So a part of me, and this is the fucked up thing, understands the rest. But, but the other part of me knows that this can't continue. We, we can allow this. We can give this a little more of breathing room. 
But after that, we are done. We are not doing this after the Cleveland game on Saturday night. That is the start of the season for the Milwaukee Bucks. As fucked up as that sounds. As dumb as that sounds. It's January. What day is it today? I said it at the open. January 17th. It's like it's the middle of January and we're saying the Bucks season begins on Saturday. That is dumb. We should not be saying that. But we have to because of all the rest, because of all the injuries and all the bullshit that has happened this season for the Bucs already. And the Bucs having this sort of arrogance is not, not allowed. If they had won the championship last year, I think we'd have a lot more leeway with it. We did, right? The Bucs did a lot of this shit last year. Not to this extreme, but they did a lot of this last year and we, were, we gave them a pass. We're like, hey, look. They played a lot of basketball between the bubble, between winning a championship, between the Olympics. We were all okay with the Bucs taking a little more rest. They've lost that privilege. That privilege was out the fucking window when Chris Middleton came back from injury. That was done. We were like, all right, Mids comes back. We're, we're done with this. But then it just continued. It continued. And I think because of games like tonight uh, against the Indiana Pacers, the Bucs were like, oh, we can keep doing this. We can keep doing this because we can pull a game out of our ass here and there. And just as long as we have one of the big three, we're going to figure it out. And so because the Bucs think they can get by, they continue to get by, they're going to maybe keep trying this. And that's the part that scares me. That's the part that scares me because I do not think it's going to work out in the end. And just this, it's, it's done. It's done. It's over. We are officially canceling this part of the Milwaukee Bucks experience and the malaise can no longer continue. And if it does, you're going to lead to a lot of tuned out fans by the end of it, not really expecting another championship in the city of Milwaukee. Moving on to Golden Kegs, we do this after every Bucks game. We at least tried it. Um, I will say that I've not been good about it, but I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to do this every Bucks game so you guys have this in your back pocket in case you missed it. Maybe you're working. Maybe you didn't get to see most of the game. We basically say the best being a three keg, one keg being the worst, uh, two kegs right in the middle. And that's how we recap the game. Three kegs obviously goes to Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was excellent in the win against Indiana on Monday night. Uh, he had 35 points and 11 assists. He was truly Truly special, especially in that fourth quarter. Holiday, 13 and 19, five for eight from three, made four three throws. I mean, just a masterclass for Holiday. And he continues to look like an all-star. I think there are probably not enough spots for a guy like Drew, but he definitely deserves it. I don't know if the games are enough for him as we you know, just went over, but Holiday has been really, really good. And he's been very, very solid in these fourth quarter moments against New York, Atlanta, and now Indiana, where the Bucs have definitely needed him. And I think that is going to play off. We want to talk about playoffs. That's something that is going to pay off come the postseason. If Holiday is confident in his shot in late game situations, that's something I don't think we have seen from him in the first two years of the Milwaukee experience. He was like, okay, I'm kind of the third guy. I don't know if I can just be the big swinging dick in the cracker factory. I think that notion is gone for Holiday. I think Holiday knows he can take over a game late if he wants to. And that is a really important thing for Milwaukee. And I think if there's going to be more of that. I think they're going to set Drew up for pick and rolls, for step back opportunities. 
He is feeling it in these late game, in these clutch moment situations, and that is very exciting. He took Indiana to task and was really, really special in this one. I, I won't go as far as saying he put the team on his back, but his energy that he brought on both sides of the court, I thought really sort of turned this game around when it really looked dire. Two kegs goes to George Hill. Speaking of energy, the stats might not show it. George Hill had nine points. He had six assists. He had three steals, right? Not a huge statistical game for George Hill, but I felt like George Hill was being such a nuisance defensively in that second half when the Bucs turned this all around after a really ugly first half, which we're going to get to in the one keg segment. But I, I just loved what I saw from George Hill. And George Hill has been a very frustrating, a polarizing player for the Bucs, whether it was his first stint or his second stint with the team uh, last year, the Boston debacle. George Hill still has some good regular season minutes in him. I do not know if George Hill is a playoff player, and I don't know if Mike Budenholzer knows that he's not a playoff player, but right now, George Hill can still give you solid minutes. This is the most minutes I believe Hill has played in a long time this season. Let's look at that, because he's they were mentioning it a little bit on the broadcast about how Hill really has not played this level of minutes. Yeah, this is the most minutes he's played since the, oh, actually, take it back, the Chicago game on the 28th. And George Hill's only played twice in the month of January. So maybe a little refreshed, a little re-energized George Hill. George Hill's just showing he still has something left in the tank for Mike Budenholzer. Could be really important. Javon Carter, yes, got hot last week. He struggled again on Monday night. Maybe this is a opportunity for George Hill to get in because his passion and sort of his drive in that second half, I thought really helped out the Bucs. And he deserves a ton of credit for what he did in this game because I, 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 really, I really looked at him as one of the key cogs to how the Bucs got this done, how the Bucs erased a 12-point deficit in the second half. Or I was at 13, I think, it was at the highest. But it was 12. It was 90-78 to 78 at one point. And the Bucs finished the game at a 132-119 to 119 clip. So that you can do the math. I'm not going to try to do it live in the podcast. I, could, I can figure it out. But let me tell you, it's a good equation for the Milwaukee Bucks. 1K goes to the first half. The first half was absolutely pathetic for the Milwaukee Bucks. They gave up 76 points. TJ McConnell had 25 points. Uh, in that first half, they just absolutely did not want to be there. And if the Bucs had lost this game, if the Bucs had just got blown out similarly to the Charlotte game, it's what it, I was pretty upset in that first segment, but I would have been absolutely livid if the Bucs had actually lost this game. So I, I'm happy they were able to get this done. I was happy that they turned it all around that second half. I think Josh Oppenheimer, the Bucs assistant coach, Said it at halftime that the Bucs need to play with pride, and it really showed in the second half. It really showed like the Bucs gave a damn, and I'm appreciative of that turnaround because the first half is something I do never, I never want to discuss again. And the Bucs have to be more ready to play because this is now, this is now a couple times has happened now in January, and I realize the Bucs haven't been fully healthy, and we can kind of throw that notion out the window, right? Because we never know when the Bucs are going to be fully healthy. Even if I project Saturday, it might not be the case. We might have Bobby Portis missing game. We might have fucking... This Charlotte, New York, now Indiana, are games where the Bucs have kind of built themselves a hole early on and had to crawl and scratch their way back 
to winning this game. Now, Charlotte won. They just got blown out. Charlotte won. They didn't even get, get a chance to crawl their way back into that game. And it's been a very funky year for the Milwaukee Bucks. And it's been a very funky month for them with big leads blown, whether it's the Toronto game or the Atlanta game. If I could pick a Bucks song for the month of January so far, it's the it's OMC's How Bizarre. I mean, you know that one hit wonder. And if you don't, Look it up. It will probably get in your head. It's going to get in my head just thinking about it. It's like the BK Whopper song. Like, it, you can't run from it. It's in, it's in my head right now. And it was in my head by the f- last game of the football you know, weekend. And I was like, God damn it. They finally did it. Bucks play Toronto tonight. Uh, we will go over Golden Kegs after that one. And who knows if we'll have another Bucks topic to kick off the show. Before we move on. I have to do a bonus golden keg to my wife, uh, who gets one, for making me a cheese board at halftime and basically turning around this entire game. So I was at the gym. I was watching the game. I got a text from her basically being like, hey, run some errands. I made you a cheese board. And the, she did say because she loved me, which I, I appreciate. And obviously, those are you know things where you just – the little acts of kindness that you know make you feel good inside – she did also admit later on that she made it because she, her, she made her mom one. She didn't want shopping with. So I got a second cheese board because she, she had all the stuff out. That said, it was a delicious thing to come home to after your first workout, sweating out all the Mexico after basically tasting like pina coladas. It was a great thing to come home to. And it was an enjoyable spread. You know, you had a little Fontina cheese, which is great, soft. You had two types of cheddar. You had a little crackers. You had some cherries, some blueberries, some summer sausage. It was perfect. It was a great thing to watch as the Bucks tried to come back in the third quarter. And so now I'm starting to think that if the Bucks are down, I'm going to have to have some rally cheese. Like I, we're going to have to test this theory out on if cheese is the rally component. And then how much cheese do you eat? Do you have to, you know, just have a couple slices of rally cheese to make sure that you're, you know, you're doing your job? I don't want to make a cheese board every time the Bucks are down, you know, 10 or 11 points at halftime. But I do think that we have to dip into the cheese tray when the Bucks are down. Also, if I'm at a bar, does that mean that I order cheese curds right away? Like, is that something you do at halftime? You have to put in an order curds? Like, we're going to have to really do some test and learn here in the next few few months because once we get to playoff time, we're, we're going to have to know what we're doing in these situations and be ready um, because that's when the superstitions really kick in. I was just thinking today, I was just putting it away because I'm doing some laundry. Uh, I had a Clint shirt. Uh, it's a old NBA Jam homage shirt. It's old, it's beat up. Like, it, it has uh, – it's like fr- – I wouldn't say it's – that bad but it's like I've worn it a ton right and I wore it for the championship clinch and then I obviously wore it when they lost against the uh, Celtics last season actually did I did I wear it because I was with my parents can't remember but that's here nor there because it was Mother's Day uh, when the when the Bucks lost but then I wore it for the Packers Lions game because I was wearing Bucks shirts and some reason that was leading the winning streak. And I'm a superstitious guy. I try not to care about that shit, but I do. So I was wearing different buck shirts and I wore it against lines. I was like, okay, clinch shirt. Like you gotta clinch playoffs. Didn't happen. So I'm like, has the clinch shirt lost its magic? It'll be another story for another time. We'll talk about it, you know, in April um, when it matters. But yeah, I have to I have to wonder if we need a new clinch shirt. Like that's that's a that's up for conversation right now. Um, because 
you just have to wonder, is it is that championship vibe still going to be there or do you need to switch it up? Do you need to have one for every championship run? Uh, so again, another story for another time, but shout out to my wife, shout out to Cheeseboard, shout out to the Rally Cheese. And if I was, I'll, I'll just end with this. If I was like a Hooks uh, in Wisconsin, I'm not saying they're going to sponsor me here, but I would certainly come up with a Rally Cheese. Like that's something that I think is a no-brainer idea for a cheese company or like a Cedar Creek or something like that. Like a Rally Cheese would fucking play. Like I'm, I'm telling you that right now. Like that is a million dollar idea. And I gotta give Jimmy uh, credit uh, on Twitter who called it Rally Cheese. Um, he deserves a little bit of a residual. So if Rally Cheese actually becomes a thing, you credit Jimmy and myself, I will take a cut. But Tapping the Keg Presents Rally Cheese sounds like a great fucking idea. All right, now let's talk a little bit about the fallout from the Cowboys-Bucks game in the eyes of the Green Bay Packers. You're probably like, Charlie, why would this matter? This is a game where the Packers weren't involved. Why would the Packers matter? Well, my friend Mike McCarthy is the coach of the Green Bay of the Dallas Cowboys, used to be of the Green Bay Packers. So obviously there's a little bit there. And oh yeah, that Tom Brady guy, well, what happens with Tom Brady is probably going to matter when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. So Colin Coward, who is known, known shitster, right? Colin Coward said this tonight. Mike McCarthy 24-0. Aaron Rodgers sitting at home. I have 0.0 idea what this means. This means absolutely nothing. Colin Coward has been an anti-Aaron Rodgers guy for a long time. There's probably blogs on Chuck's Corner you can read where I've been ranting and raving against Colin Coward for a while. Sometimes when these things come up, I debate, do I really want to go all in? Because I'm like, you know what? Maybe Colin sees my stuff. Maybe he's like, oh, I like this guy. Oh yeah, he's ripped me a bunch. I'm not going to hire him to work for him. I understand how this stuff works. I understand that media guys are more sensitive than really any fucking position in all of prof in any profession. They are so goddamn sensitive. And Twitter is their diary, so they act like it online all the time. There are so many powders out there. But again, another story for another time. This is an absolutely idiotic take from Colin. This is Colin trying way too fucking hard. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have done great things. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have made it to the NFC Championship game twice as a, as a couple, if you will quarterback and coach. Mike McCarthy had his first playoff win for the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy had an inexplicable loss last year at home to San Francisco, where if Mike McCarthy would have won that fucking game, the Green Bay Packers are now playing the San Francisco 49ers in the second round. And who knows what would have happened? I believe Dallas and Green Bay would have played in that game, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go check. In, in So I don't understand what Colin is getting at. I'm happy as hell for Mike McCarthy. I'm happy that Mike McCarthy is able to sort of say, fuck the haters, I'm a good coach. You should believe that I was a good coach. All of the people that were making fun of him, Warren Sharp, who takes more L's than anyone online, who I, I have been, my own personal beef with Warren, which we could get to on another, another time. But 
like Mike McCarthy deserves this. He deserves to get, you know, recognized and people kind of changing their tune on what Mike McCarthy is. Mike McCarthy took his Dallas team on the road for the third straight game after Dak Prescott had an awful football game and dominated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I understand you could say, hey, Tampa's, Tampa's not good. Tampa's been a fraud all year. Yes, that's true. But Tampa was building a little bit of momentum. They got Ryan Jensen back, one of their team leaders on, on the offensive line. It didn't fucking matter. Dak Prescott was tremendous tonight. This is probably one of the best Dak Prescott performances I think we've seen all season. So I, I have to appreciate what Mike McCarthy did. And he deserves that credit. And Sean Payton has been getting a ton of love. But he's really no different than Mike McCarthy. Aaron Nagler was all over this today on Twitter. And I couldn't agree more. Mike McCarthy had done a lot. He never went 7-9. and nine. Three consecutive years in a row. Like Sean Payton did with Drew Brees. As Nagler pointed out. So Mike McCarthy deserves this shit. And... There doesn't need to be this friction and this fissure between Rodgers and McCarthy. The Packers made the right move choosing Aaron Rodgers. They want Rodgers won two more MVPs. Rodgers got them to the doorstep of an NFC Championship game twice. You could argue that one against Tampa, they should have won and they should have been in the Super Bowl. And they yes, they would have won that Super Bowl. I'm convinced of that. You can't tell me anything different. That is going to hang out there. But guess what? They should have been in the Super Bowl against the New Orleans Patriots with Mike McCarthy as the head coach when the Seattle game happened. And that was partially on Mike McCarthy for sitting on a lead. He did not sit on a lead tonight. I was worried that he would sit on that lead and Tom Brady would engineer a comeback for the ages. That did not happen. They shut the goddamn door. So I don't really like the Cowboys. I've never liked the Cowboys. I haven't liked the Cowboys since... Really, the early 90s, when I started remembering football, like young Chuck was extremely excited when the 49ers absolutely pounded the piss out of the Cowboys in 1994. I believe it was a NFC Championship game. They might have won like 45 to 21. You guys can fact check me on that. But I love it. Like Steve Young was awesome. I was all in on that Niners team. I really like Martin Hanks because he had an awesome celebration. The, you know, kind of, I think he called it electric chicken. I would do that like in the living room for laughs with my parents and my parents' friends because I thought it was just this awesome dance. I haven't done it in years. If you want to get me drunk enough this weekend to do the electric chicken, we can have a conversation because uh, I probably would do it because, you know, I'm a Leo and I, I love attention. But here nor there, I've hated the Cowboys forever. I can't really just like be all in on this team and and the run for Mike McCarthy. I'd saw I forget who said it to me uh or last weekend. It might have been some guy I met at the pool where it's like I kind of want to see Dallas make a run for Mike McCarthy cuz he deserves this. I'm okay with one. I don't I'm almost be okay with knocking out Kyle Shanahan. I can't have Mike McCarthy in Dallas in the Super Bowl. That would be just absolutely obnoxious. That that I can't I can't deal with. I, I really can't. Uh, it just would be, it'd be too much. Um, and there would be so much more McCarthy Rogers shit if, the, if Dallas were to make the Super Bowl. And Dallas can only go to the NFC Championship game before we really, we really kind of have to pull the plug on the whole McCarthy Rogers stuff because that's, that would get really bad. This would be just the beginning. But yeah, it was a very weird tweet from Colin. 
and something that it shouldn't be a, a friction thing. It should be happy for our old coach. We're happy that he was able to prove people wrong in Dallas and shows once again, he's a pretty good coach and he's been one for a long time. And just the microscope's way bigger on him than any other coach in football. And I promise you that's not a fat joke. That's a Dallas joke. <laughs> uh, moving on to, or the other part of this uh, with the other part of the Bucks cowboys fallout that relates to the Packers is Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady says he's going to take his time. It was a day-by-day. Basically told everybody that he was out on playing for Tampa Bay. It raises a bunch of interesting questions around Aaron Rodgers' future. Number one is Rodgers will not have all the attention on him. There will be part of that shared with Tom Brady. I'd argue that Tom Brady will still have more attention on him even though he is headed to the age of 46. There will be more discussions about Tom Brady's future than there will be Aaron Rodgers. I think that works in Aaron Rodgers' favor. Now, Aaron Rodgers has advocated that he is going to make a quick decision. Some people do not believe that Aaron Rodgers will do that. If that's the case, I think also that helps sort of the Rodgers Q rating if you put Rodgers against Brady, because it does seem like Tom Brady might wait this thing out which will drive teams nuts. And there will be teams that will hang on for Tom Brady that might plan for Tom Brady, similar to Denver, who planned for Aaron Rodgers and they got Russell Wilson instead, which was an all-time backfire. And I do think teams will somewhat learn their lesson. They're also raised an interesting question, would Tampa Bay sniff around Green Bay for a quarterback? Once upon a time, Tampa Bay thought they were getting Brett Favre in 2008. And then Green Bay pulled the rug under Brett Favre, according to Brett Favre, by the way, because it was on part of my take for all the controversy happened with Favre. And he got traded to the New York Jets. Now, is that the same thing with Rodgers? Could that happen again? You could make a case that trading Rodgers to Tampa Bay, I don't think hurts the Packers long-term. I don't think Rodgers does the Brady and shoves it right in their face, especially if Todd Bowles is the coach. Todd Bowles is not a is not a good football coach. He is not a good football coach in any shape of the word. So yeah, you have that part of it. Um, that will be something to keep an eye on. That'll be something to monitor. Uh, whether Todd Bowles will, or Rogers, pardon me, will will go down to Tampa and if that's a potential deal. Uh, because I, I think it, it has to at least be in the conversation. I don't think Jordan Love, that's a destination for him. I do not think Green Bay will trade Jordan Love to the NFC. If they're going to trade Jordan Love, it'll be a team like Baltimore, it'll be a team like the New York Jets, where they can trade him to the AFC and there will be no sort of worry about it. There will be no sort of issue. It still would be a little bit weird because you're like, well, is this guy going to be amazing? Is this going to be a trade that haunts the Packers for the next 10 years? Yes, possible, but he's not in your same division. You're not playing him next year. Packers do play Tampa Bay, I believe, in Green Bay as well. So that would be an angle that, yeah, would be a massive game. It'd be an NBC game for sure, no question about it. But it's it, you know it's just one game out of the 16, 17 now that they play. Uh, yeah, it's hard to keep track at this point with all the football stuff. But we're set for an incredible and. It, divisional weekend it is going to be wall-to-wall great games i am so excited for all of them i think all of them have their own special little thing about them and i'm I'm definitely looking forward to it i'm definitely excited for it i think it played out as well as as it could have honestly and so yes i have to give 
not necessarily a God's credit. I just I, I think they're all good games. And I and there's none that I look at and I'm like, wow, it would really suck if it was this. I think Minnesota San Francisco would have been a huge bummer, right? If it was Minnesota San Francisco, that's that one would have kind of stunk. Chiefs Chargers would have still been great. Like we got Chiefs Chargers instead. That would have been fine. Ravens would have been awful to watch. We had to put ourselves through another Tyler Hundley game. Like this is fun. This is a fun, fun eight eight teams, and I'm very excited for it next week. Uh, so looking forward to that. All right, let's wrap up today's show with a Chuck's Corner. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar or new to the program, Chuck's Corner is where is where I discuss you know my life in outside the sports world. No, I really try to keep this non-sports related. Uh, I'm going to try much harder on that. I just, sometimes I think we need a break from sports. Sometimes I think we don't need to talk about sports for the entire show. And what we're talking about is my Mexico trip. I went out with my wife and her family. It was her entire family. It was all her significant others, all her siblings and their significant others. The whole thing. It was a great time. Uh, I would recommend getting to Mexico or getting to a resort place when you can travel really easily there. Uh, you can do Chicago to Cancun in three hours. Yeah, we had no delays. Thank God we, we flew out on, on Tuesday. Uh, we didn't fly out on Wednesday when they had all the FAA issues uh, shutting down the airports in the morning. We definitely would have been impacted by that. So very thankful that was not us. Um, but I will not give you a blow-by-blow just a couple of random thoughts that I have from this. Number one is I will miss the fact that I spent most of those afternoons just hanging out by the pool, drinking pita coladas, drinking different you know, summer drinks all day long, taking a nice nap around like three, four o'clock, placing some wagers, and then going to dinner. I will miss that routine. I'm sure that I would have got sick of it, but I probably could have done one more drink or one more week, one more drink, definitely one more drink, but I probably could have done one more week of it. If I had to go with the best drinks that I had on the resort, I have to go with the pina colada as the number one. Uh, it was the top seed. Their pina coladas were very good. They were much better earlier in the day. Uh, you could see that they kind of got sick of them or they watered them down because uh, they just assumed everybody was drunk by four or five o'clock. I really got into tequila sunrises. Um, that's a big development for me. Young Chuck, um, maybe not the Young Chuck 94 Chuck, but like uh, 2005 Chuck uh, was a big tequila sunrise guy uh, when he was 16 sneaking drinks in Mexico. Um, and I came back to it. Um, I don't usually like orange juice in my cocktails, uh, but that one was good. It was, it was a really solid, solid drink. I just felt a little more part of the culture, if you will, uh, having tequila now and again. I got back into rum and Cokes. I actually got some brutal heartburn on uh, set Sunday flying home uh, because I had way too many rum and Cokes at the beach party and then at uh, uh, the the sports bar that had the Jags Chargers game, because which I did not leave for, which I do not regret one bit. Uh, was definitely definitely all there. Um, trying to think, other drinks that I had pretty regularly. Uh, I mean, I had a lot of beer. They had a lot of Dosakis there. Not really a light beer place there. I couldn't really get a Miller Light or a Bud Light or 
Coors Light, any sort of light beer to save my soul. I didn't even try. I, I'm sure I could have asked. I did see a couple Coors hanging around, but I didn't even bother because I was like, whatever, man. Just uh, say, say la vie. Like I had regular soda a bunch this last weekend because I was just like, whatever. It's gonna, it's just what's there. Uh, the diet soda tastes like absolute shit. I, I can't explain it, but it's really bad if it's not in America. I don't know if it's something where America has different regulations on that shit, but the diet soda there always just tastes like fucking water, so I don't even bother. Um, and that's a, a pro tip. As a, as a big diet soda guy, uh, I am not one when it comes to being in Mexico or in a resort. I think I felt like the same thing when I went to Dominican Republic many moons ago. Uh, there was a beach party, as mentioned. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, I think you could put me in any sort of beach party, and I would probably thrive. Um, I think... You, you probably couldn't pull off a beach party at Bradford. I don't think that's something you could do in Milwaukee. I think it's something you would definitely do in like a Manaqua in the summertime. I think you would do it in Door County. Um, I, I do think there is an avenue for Wisconsin beach parties. It would have to be, you know, obviously on a resort. They also had fire dancers, which is just an absolutely sick thing to be a part of. You have to think, either if you're a male or a female fire dancer, that you have to be an absolute freak in the bedroom. Like that, and, and that's probably my mind being a little too horny, but I, I definitely thought about that. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like these people are probably just animals in the sack because it, it's so scary. Like they're just throwing around fire. Like it's no big deal. And it's awesome to watch. Like I will watch a fire show any day of the fucking week. Um, I watched one in Hawaii. This one was a little bit better on uh, multiple people. Another thing that I noticed was just the normalization of the thong bikini. Uh, I, I'm married, happily married. I mentioned that with the cheese board story earlier. But it's amazing how many people just wear thongs now. Like it's just, it used to be something that you would see in a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. And that was kind of it, right? Um, it, that, you maybe were lucky. I remember when I was very young and going through puberty, like that was a thing you'd look for. You'd look for, could you see exposed nipples? And could you see a thong bikini? That was really the goal of a Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue for me, which by the way, underrated, you know, male development thing. Uh, something that I, <laughs> I cherish. I hung up those, some of those pictures in my, in my high, or high school, in my uh, home bedroom. I'm uh, not sure how my parents felt about that. Never asked, never really want to know. Um, that's just one of those better left unsaid sort of conversations. But yeah, thumb bikini just is out there, man. Uh, people just have their cheeks out all the time. Uh, some people should have their cheeks out. Some people shouldn't have their cheeks out. Doesn't matter. We have our cheeks out all the time. Uh, it's an interesting societal development. I don't hate it. Um, I would say I'm more of a fan of it than I'm against it. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting thing that I noticed uh, from time to time. And, and look, look, just sometimes you run across Lumbi and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, that's interesting. And that's that's all I got to say about that, right? So I will I will cut it off there before I get into any trouble. Uh, the resort food, it was a everlasting battle with me. Uh, a couple days uh, felt a little ill, unfortunately. And that's that shit's just going to happen. Uh, resort food is always a spin of the wheel. You really can't control it. Like I was asking my wife because few of us uh, fell fell ill. I, I I said like, is there anything you can do to control this? Like the, the review say she's like, well, it's all over the place. Like you just never know. So I I think that there has to be a more seasoned approach to sort of looking at resort food. I have to think through it a little bit more. But I I can kind of pinpoint things that I think got me sick. And so now I think I'm, I'm more well-equipped 
for you know this situation and can kind of become better prepared right you know we didn't have any pepto on us we didn't have any tums so we had to you know sort of make do with what was there or what was available from the family um, so that's something that obviously next time I will be I will come equipped like I I brought a fucking knife to a gunfight let's just put it that way and yeah it's it's definitely something you have to you know make sure that your radar is up on you can't be ignorant on it and I certainly was um, last thing I have strange pee fright in peeing in pools I know a lot of people have different opinions on peeing in pools. I personally have no problem with it. Um, my wife, uh, when she was my girlfriend at the time, kind of normalized the idea of peeing in the pool and said, yeah, whatever, why not? And I, I think for a long, long time, I was like, oh, it's going to turn the water green, which is a complete myth. And I, it was like one of those where I just I couldn't break through. I couldn't break through. And I had to go to the bathroom and pee, which just a waste of time, right? Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's partying. And I just couldn't like let it rip. And then I finally figured out a situation where made it work. Finally got over it. I think I think I did it a couple times. Like it was good. Um, was just, just proud of myself that I was able to you know get a few pool peas in. I know there are some people who are anti pool peers. I think you're weirdos, right? It's a swimsuit. It's lined. It's whatever. The chlorine's gonna kill it. I have no problem with it. Um, I, I I really don't. I think those who have problems with it are kind of the weird ones because it's like whatever, man. It, and also too, like that's another thing. Or it's just like your opinion, right? It's kind of the Rogers McCarthy thing. Like, it's like, we don't have to disagree on this. We can just go our separate ways. You can go to the bathroom. You can waste time, you know, sopping wet in in there and trying to, you know, pull your dick out of your balls and go pee. Or you can just go in the pool. Like, pick your fighter, man. So that's 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 all I'm saying. I'm trying to think about anything else for you guys. Oh, the last thing is, I, I didn't know this. Um, I, and I had been, in, I actually had never been to Cancun. I was in Riviera Maya with my parents uh, back, let's see, I was 2016. So like, two, or, no, oh God, not 2016, 2005. So uh, my, when I was 16, and my dad is very famously, he did this twice. Um, he would not go to the popular spot. Like he would go to the spot next to the popular spot because he believed that, that's where you got better resorts. Like he went to Riviera Maya. He didn't go to Cancun. Cancun is right next to Riviera Maya. Uh, he probably, like if my dad was this generation, like if it was a millennial version of my father, I think he'd go to Tulum. Like I, I really do. Uh, I think he would totally bypass Cancun and just go to Tulum. Even if he's not about the art scene, he would get away from the popularity. He also did this in the Dominican Republic four years later. He didn't want to go to Punta Cana. I think he went to, oh gosh, I can't remember the, the fucking name of it. Starts with an I. Um, not gonna get it. Um, so I'm not gonna even try to attempt to butcher some Dominican name. But and and both places were fun. Like we, I had a good time at both places. Like I was able to drink at 20. I probably told the story before. I haven't told it in a while. Um, I famously there um, got really fucking torn up one day and at like the club just drinking El Presidente's great Dominican beer and I fell in the bushes like Luann Lepis style if you're a real housewives fan which probably only those who are married are um and I came out I was really dirty um I thought I lost my key I knocked on my door my sister let me in at the time and the entire trip I thought I lost my hotel key I think it was kind of a big deal at that point to lose hotel keys like, I think you that that point you still kind of maybe got fined for that 
And then I found my hotel keys, putting away my stuff, packing away my, my dirty clothes that were covered in dirt from falling in the bushes. My key was in my pocket the whole time. So that's how banged up I was. Went out on a boat, was entirely hungover for it. Uh, was, <laughs> didn't get to that level though uh, in Mexico. Uh, I will, I guess, leave with this. I don't know if this is an old guy thing now, but I never really got like drunk. I think the last night I was probably the drunkest I was. I would, I would say I was drunk on, on Saturday. But what I, I will point out is I think it's better to just have a constant buzz all day when you're at the resorts, right? I don't think you need to be hammered. Um, you could be if you wanted to be, but it's like you're, it's kind of an all day thing and you're eating so much. Like it's really kind of hard to get drunk. And then I saw a couple guys who were just embarrassingly drunk, like just absolutely like treated it like it was spring break. And these guys are older than college kids. And one guy like tapped me on the hat out of nowhere. And I'm like, what's well, kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? Didn't necessarily start a fight with him, but I was like, why are you tapping my hat? He's like, oh, don't you want to keep drinking? So like, and I'm like, yeah, we're from Wisconsin. And he's like, oh, we're from Wisconsin. You should be drinking. And I'm like, nah, man, like you, I think actually it's, you don't need to like show off your culture like that. Like, yeah, we like to drink, but we don't need to go over the top. Like this one guy had a shirt that said, who, who ate all the pussy? Like came out there with a cowboy hat on and said, who ate all the pussy? That guy was passed out in the lobby. It was shirtless at six o'clock that night. Good job, good effort. You didn't eat any pussy that night, okay? And it's just embarrassing, man. Like, I don't know. At some point, you gotta grow up. It's not spring break. It's not, you shouldn't be puking on the side of the pool, which someone did as well when we were there. Like that's amateur hour shit. And I think the constant buzz mentality is how you want to go on a resort. Now, if you want to get torn up one night, if you and your wife are like, hey, we're going to do that. Or you and your husband, if we have female listeners, like whatever it may be, or, you know, gay as well, whatever, however it may be, non-binary doesn't matter. Well, however you want to spin it. Like if you want to get torn up with your significant other, go ahead. God bless you. But I don't think it's something that you need to do every time, every night of the resort. And I actually think it kind of ruins the experience because you're hungover all day. Like, what fun is that? Like, you can't really drink. Like, you'll hair the dog, maybe, but you're just going to keep kind of piling on your hangover because you want to drink every day. Because that's what part of being in the resort. You got free drinks. It's, that's one of the best parts of being in the resort. And that's why the constant buzz is much better. All right. That went longer than I expected. Uh, that's okay. Uh, Make sure that you guys are checking our podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, make sure you're on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Also, make sure that you're following along on the socials, whether it is on Twitter, Tab the Keg on Twitter, or Tab the Keg Sports on Instagram or TikTok. We'll talk tomorrow. We will talk about the Bucks Raptors game. We'll talk about whatever crosses the wire. I do want to touch on the owner stuff with Mark Ananasio. Um, I really do think he needs some coaching. He's going to go into a firefight there. We do not want a Pepto, a non-Pepto resort situation with Mark Ananasio. So I, I do want to touch on that. Um, we'll see if anything else uh, tickles our interest uh, as the sports world turns. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Tuesday. We'll talk tomorrow. See you. Bye.